0: Episode 131 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about PAX Unplugged. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Adam, Aaron, and I talk about our first visit to PAX Unplugged 2023 in Philadelphia. We'll talk about what we played, what we ate, and what we thought of our first non-Gen Con convention. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to Adam, Aaron, and myself talking about PAX Unplugged. Hey, Kelly. Oh,
1: I yes. What do do you do to like every extension cord before we ever leave the house for a trip? Oh, I
0: unplug it. Oh,
1: and this time we were unplugged.
0: That's fair. I do. You have really no sense of leaving the house or preparing your home before you go on a vacation. You pretty much just open the door, maybe close it and head out of town.
1: I have a fancy espresso set up in the basement. That has a heater on that needs to be turned off after you make the espresso.
0: Oh, I unplugged it.
1: I know. On Saturday of our trip, I thought, oh oh. my gosh, did I leave it on? And then three minutes later, I thought, there's no way she didn't unplug it. The only thing I
0: don't unplug is your work setup, because I don't want you to come up to me panicking about how things aren't working and you haven't actually checked the plug. At this point, I would know. Mm, Doubtful. Everything's plugged back in now. We're home. And Adam's here, too. Yeah, he wasn't going to transition into that at all. I I was going to say, and Adam's here, too. He was so excited about unplugging things. I thought
1: sometimes when you start the banter, then other people carry it forward.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, PAX Unplugged. We we did the thing
0: in Philadelphia. Now, Aaron and I went. Adam did not. That's correct. So Adam is here to hear about and to ask us about our experiences there, get a sense of PAX, maybe how it's different than Gen Con, that's the only other con that we've been to, mm-hmm. what was good, what was bad, what we did, these sort of things.
1: Yeah. Random questions about the city of Philadelphia, also welcome.
0: Yeah, we, I mean, we only saw a very little bit of it, so won't be great at answering those.
2: So what does PAX stand for?
0: I think it's Penny Arcade Expo
2: oh man it's latin for peace
0: and
1: i just thought it was a really like chill place it's pity arcade
0: expo okay there sorry you go. so they have uh like pax east and west which i guess are just more generic i'm gonna say geeky or nerdy conventions maybe i actually don't know what happens at those but pax unplugged is for tabletop board gaming so there's also rpg stuff there but it is a lot of board games
1: that yeah and there wasn't like At at other places where RPG is more the focus, there's more cosplay. There was some, but very little cosplay.
2: So attendance wise, or general size wise, compared to Gen Con, that's what we've talked about. That's what we all kind of know. What what fraction would this be of a Gen Con?
1: A third. A third. I think what what's going to happen is we'll give our guess.
2: It's a guess. Yeah. We
1: might. We may or may not in the show notes put the actual numbers. Actually, look it up.
0: Now the exhibition, like the space. That is available, the space that you would call the con. Mm -hmm. I think that's less than a third. Yeah. I mean, almost certainly it is. Because there's a lot of space that's available for Gen Con in Indy that isn't literally used. Like when you consider that Lucas Oil Stadium is included in Gen Con, but you're not using all of the stadium,
1: And we did not use the entire Philadelphia Convention Center.
0: It didn't feel that way, no. No, they It were seemed large like there swaths. was a third floor. There were some things and, that could have been up there, but I don't know that anything was actually happening up there. And a first floor. And a first floor. Didn't I didn't really understand. Yeah, the fact that it's like the way that the convention centers are laid out, it felt like a lot of hallways, but not a lot of convention space. The you hallway know, to convention space ratio seemed weird to me.
1: I, I don't think about a lot. The cost of replacing carpet at a convention center scale. Okay. But I'm very grateful that the Indian ap- the Indiana convention center has carpet everywhere. It was kind of frustrating to be walking on concrete so often.
0: Oh, you know, they roll out that carpet. Oh. What? At, for Gen Con? Yeah. So when when all of the vendors and stuff show up, there's not carpet out yet. And they're like pulling everything up and setting up and marking the booths. And then they roll all that carpet out. What? Yeah. That, and it's one of the things that people say is like a luxury of Gen Con that they roll out the carpet. And who knows what it looks like for how and where they store that. But that is true. The main exhibit hall space, when we first walked in, I thought like, oh, well, this is actually, this room was bigger than I expected for what people say about the size of PAX versus the size of Gen Con. But once we really got into it, I realized that what I was looking at as, oh, this must be the whole uh, exhibit hall. It was not like half of that was the exhibit hall. Then there was kind of this center area that was mostly undefined. It had like a big space for a super long line that I never saw lined up with people. And then at the other end, it was all sorts of like long cafeteria type tables for uh, open play. You could get things from their library if you wanted, or you could be playing things Uh, that you just brought yourself I'm gonna take a short time out to say my voice still does not at 100% and I lost it when we left four packs so I had no voice pretty much the whole time we were there which was I think that also made the experience very different for me I spent a lot more time resting so I was trying not to lose it completely trying to get it back and it didn't really happen
1: well and I think Between the concrete floors and the lower ceilings, I think, in general, in the Philadelphia Convention Center. And the fact that the entire con is basically in one big room. Like, the exhibit hall is in a room that's connected to the open play play area. area. That's connected to the library. That's connected to the et cetera, et cetera. Which,
0: technically, at Gen Con, they connect those rooms, too. But they're massive they're,
1: they're massive
0: they're mad i would say that it might be three times as big
1: and there's like events and stuff in like different meeting rooms and then the the yes. library is in lucas oil so it's completely libraries
0: in a completely separate so, yeah, I place think,
1: um i say all that to say for someone without a voice it was tough communicating yeah it, was, it was, was so
0: loud we if we were back oh, sure. at the our airbnb i felt like i could talk at what seemed to be a normal volume pretty okay but when we actually got into the hall You just have to talk so much louder because of all the background noise.
2: Yeah. Now leading into this, like for Gen Con, you have to like sign up for events and things like that. Is it the same format for this?
0: There are events. We decided to go to PAX really late, kind of last minute, less than a month before it happened. We decided to go. With that, I think you, one, I don't think that you pay for events as much as you do at Gen Con. And I don't think there are as many events, but I decided to just like not worry about the events at all just go play games because people often say about gen con versus other conventions that other conventions are more about playing games and less about uh events or the exhibit uh, exhibition hall
2: gotcha okay so that's so it's more just free play joining in games picking out games well let's talk about games then what did what did you guys play
1: I'm going to just say that the first game that comes to my mind that was really fun. We played a game called, was it called Challengers? Oh, yeah, we did play Challengers. It was a super fun kind of party style game. And it's it's like, imagine you're playing war with cards that have different actions, and you're building a deck over a series of rounds, uh, and there's like... You can play with up to eight players, but even if you play with less, there's like little cards that basically like set up matchups between you and another person and it kind of round robins you. And then at the end, the the two with the most points play against each other head to head for a victory. And it's a really nice, lightweight, fun game. I enjoyed it a lot. We played with we played with six people. I finished third, so I didn't get to do in the championship round, but I still
0: had a great time. I didn't, I don't really like challengers. Oh. I think that the way that you draw cards and add them to your deck feels a little too there's big stacks of cards feels a little too random for me to feel like i have like real impact so it feels a bit more dice rolly luck than anything and because you're constantly switching your matchups and you don't know what the other people have been building their deck like it's not that you can prepare your choices for other people's deck so it seems like there's probably some default really powerful things that you either will or won't get and then outside of that it's going to be pretty much luck you you can decide how big you want to keep your deck which you didn't know and I you did, had a really big I, deck for half of the game i, I didn't I, hold I would you have back fin-
1: i would have finished in the top two if i had known that oh
0: move. well okay okay yeah i thought that challengers i've played i think i i didn't remember until we started playing it i think i've played it once on bga you can play it on bga and I think that might be more fun or at least fun enough uh, because of how many people you'd be able to easily get into a game of BGA. I don't think it's the thing I would buy because I don't have like a big game group. Right. I, and I agree with
1: that. Like, it wouldn't be good for us.
0: And then when you when you go to play the cards, you don't have a hand of cards that you're selecting from. You just turn over the top card. Yeah. And I think for me, that's another part where it's just like you're just flipping cards over. So I, I, it almost feels like, well, what am I, I, I really doing here? I, you're playing war, okay?
1: With fun. In other games that Kelly didn't really like, but I did like, I'll go from the one of the lighter weight games that we played to the heaviest game we played okay. at PAX, which is Rise. And, oh yeah. And I thought it was—it's uh, kind of like a, a worker placement game where you didn't actually block people. Um, there weren't—you weren't placing workers. Well, what's the mechanic? Bumping tracks. Bumping tracks. Oh yeah, but but it, like I guess I thought like, nah, you know what? It's a bumping tracks game. Uh, where yeah. you, you don't actually,
0: you can't really block people. Cause well, I guess they're, you're going to like different locations, right? So you have a variety of tiles. There's like maybe eight or so and they're big tiles and they have this long, you know, like U shaped track on most of them. As you take actions, cause how are you deciding which one to do?
1: I don't know why I can't remember. I don't think you could just pick anything that would be.
0: Anyways, the, each one of these big tiles Had a different like category. And I think what I didn't like about it maybe was that it was essentially themeless. It just felt like a check, it felt like a lot of checkboxes. And you were just moving your particular color cube along this track of checkboxes. And for each one of those, it would usually be something like you move it to the checkbox and above that box, it's not really a checkbox, it's just a a landing spot. Above Mm. that spot, would be places you could pick on other tiles because each one of them had like a icon to go with it. So let's say on the, these, these aren't the icons, but let's say on the square icon tile, you go up one on the track and you can pick either a triangle or a circle to go up on those tracks. And then you do that and over on that track, maybe you get some points maybe you get you know whatever or maybe there's yet another icon and you go over to that track and you can go up on that track
1: gotcha. so the mechanic is actually super fun and i can't believe i forgot it at the top of the board before every round you place out seven cards and half of the cards are actions and every other card is an event card so it goes action event action oh, event right action, event if you do the first action your your turn for that round is done. If you do the second action, then you get the first event card for free. So basically, if you're any event card that's to the left of your action, you get to do that for free, and you do it in kind of the order. So if you go to the fourth action, all, you would get to play which, all three event
0: cards. Which you will f- they are increasing in cost. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, at the beginning of is, every oh, yeah okay. at the beginning of every round, you get into your turn order based on who was the lowest level action. And ties are broken by who chose the action second. So if two people chose zero, the person who chose it second is going to be first. Yeah, well, they, they're first to bid, but then... And if then they go would first be first in the next in,
1: round. Yeah, no, because if you, if you oh, pick the same could've. place, you go to the left of them. That's, and then, true. Yeah, you're first. That's so, true. That's but true. Yeah, so there's this like, it's kind of auction-y. It's kind of not auction-y. One of the power-ups you can get in the game is to not have to pay to go far to the right. So then you can always be doing all the actions, but then sometimes that doesn't even make sense for you. So it's... Because some of the actions are negative.
0: You're limited by only having five coins unless you get to the checkbox, get to the location that lets you go up to 10, and then you're limited to only have 10. The highest thing is four. Sometimes you have to pay coins for other stuff as well to get other actions. So you can't ever amass very much money.
1: But what I liked about it, you know, and I think, Adam, you like this about games as well. If you look at the – as I read the rules, I kind of understood like – this isn't a game where you try to do everything. This is a game where you can really go all, all out on one thing and still have a positive outcome or a positive score. And so, I kind of looked at the things that kind of had synergies and I basically ignored like over half the actions of the game. It worked out really well and and I like games where you can kind of like see that path. And I also think there's other ways to do it. Like I think I could play equally good by not doing the things I did at all.
0: I didn't have a plan. Uh. No, I didn't. Did I win that one? Was that the one where I got, what was the one where I got more than, like everyone else was pretty close and then I got a bunch more? I'd, no, that was um, Newsboys.
1: Newsboys, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, now I feel like a jerk being like, no, I won Rise, but no, I think that's, I did win Rise.
0: By that's, a bit fine, that's fine, that's um, fine. You, you finished second in Rise? I, I had no plan whatsoever. And there were these two boards off to the side that were a little different than the others. One of them let you get these little tiles and there would be opportunities where you could use those tiles as a bonus, a bonus action so you could use any one of your bonus action tiles but when you flipped it over you had to go somewhere certain basically to refresh those and flip them back over i went there first because i wanted to get a certain tile yeah and then there was another board off to the side that wasn't like the other ones that only had three actions before you cycled back to the beginning but there were four sets of those three actions and i felt like i did those two a couple times and then there was one i there was one up board with like a hat on it that i went all the way to the end of we got to the end of the game we realized that you get more points for getting to the end of that board
1: oh yeah you
0: got a lot of points for that. which we just we none of us were really nobody knew paying attention to but for all the ones for me to pick that got me 15 more points because i got to the end of that board yeah
1: you really you really ate up some good points at the end of that game yeah yeah Speaking of eating up.
0: Wait, are you still talking about games? No, I was gonna talk about food. Well, we didn't talk, you just said your two favorite games. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, so we also played Newsboys, which is a roll and write. I think it's a Sashi, Sashi and Sashi roll and write. It was in the first look section. I did like the way they did the first look section. There were a lot of tables, kind of in the left center of the convention that already had games set up on them. And you could just sit down at those already set up games and learn, teach yourself how to play them. And they were games that were newly released or maybe not released everywhere. I really liked the way that that was set up. And it was very easy to find a seat at a table there yeah. too. It wasn't like everything was always packed. So we um, played Infiltrators with some friends, which we already knew about. We had gotten to Gen Con and really liked it. And we also played Newsboys at the first look. Which is the Roland, right? right? uh was it flipping right i think it was well no we rolled too i think we flipped and rolled so you had your own dice that you rolled and then you also flipped a card for some communal icons it was a little i think i could have done with that game being shorter oh because after a while like you have to get to the bottom of the deck or someone has to fill in a certain amount of stuff on their board i could have played longer i really enjoyed it really
1: yeah well, I didn't finish all the things I wanted to finish.
0: But that, I don't think in a game like that, you kind of have a little map that you're crossing things off on. And I don't think in a game like that, maybe that's just me playing more rolling rights than you. Well, I know that you like... you know, Well, I'm saying I, I had no expectation that I would finish the sheet. I didn't think I
1: would finish the sheet, but I wanted
0: to do more than I did. More on the sheet, yeah. So yeah, I overall I thought that one was fine, and I think that thing of flipping cards and dice. Because wasn't there another game we played that had dice and like you had your own dice?
1: Yeah, I think, but I can't recall at the top.
0: Or maybe it was maybe it was one that I just saw on the floor. I think it was one I saw on the floor. Cascadia has a roll. Uh, is going to oh, have a dice. We did game. not play
1: a Cascadia game.
0: No, I saw it on the floor because we actually didn't play that many games. I would say
1: we played. I think we, we played, played Framework. Oh, framework was fun. We played Mist over Carcassonne. Oh, that was fun. The cooperative Carcassonne. Cooperative Carcassonne, Adam.
0: I think it's be best for it. Not that it's bad at other play counts, but I think it's better than regular Carcassonne for two players to just do it cooperative. You have these little ghost sections. When you put them out, ghosts appear on the sections and you're trying to manage not having all the ghosts out and then also getting a certain number of points the regular way you would with Carcassonne.
1: you score all together, and my favorite feature about it. So, you know how in Carcassonne, Adam, you could normally like fight for a city? Right. Well, it's the same rules where you couldn't put two meeples of a different color on the same city. Right. But you could do them on separate and join your cities. And if you join your cities, your team scored double or triple if you could get it done for that city. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, if you, if you, but, but then like you're all like, everyone's like collaborating to try to make that happen. It was pretty fun.
2: That was pretty fun. That's an interesting mechanic.
1: We played like, The episode one of it and we crushed it and i think episode one was meant to teach you how to play the game and it wasn't actually that hard and if you were going to be like optimizing as the the group that we had did like you're always going to win the first episode of of carcassonne i think it probably gets harder though there's other elements that get added into it
2: right that's cool
0: well we played caper and didn't really get it oh not caper europe but regular caper yeah it was the end of the night and you were super not into it i kind of i think i kind of liked it it's a two-player card drafting game you're playing out thieves in three different locations. It kind of reminded me of Tesla versus Edison. Oh yeah. Because you have oh, like yeah. these three different locations that you're kind of trying to win in a sort of tug of war style. But Aaron didn't really get how the points worked and then made an assumption about how they worked and it was wrong.
1: Yeah, so Kelly's counting up the points and I th- I've thought thought, like I've at the end of the game, I thought, okay, well, I've done all right, but I think Kelly's won. That's what I thought. And then she counted up the points and won like 37 to three.
0: Yeah, I think that's everything that we played. I think it was just caper. Yeah. And one of the, I think it's Caper Europe though, maybe that's on board game arena.
1: One of the things, if we want to stay on the game front, that was interesting is there were a lot more like smaller independent game designers at PAX than there are at.
0: I thought that's, I didn't feel like that was true.
1: Oh, I felt like they were just people with random games. I like there were like random Kickstarter games that doesn't seem to be like super popular at Gen Con.
0: Yeah, I felt like there are small games because I, I got some small international games at Gen Con. Infiltrators. Yeah, and also at Builders High and R-Eco. We haven't played those yet. Yeah, There were even more... Yeah, there's no English rules in them. Yeah, I didn't feel that quite as much. I felt like the mix of what was on the floor, there were some big publishers, but not all the ones that you see at Gen Con, not as many as Gen Con. And there were still small ones. And I've heard that it's hard to get into Gen Con. Right. And they, I think, reserve, they might, this could be totally not true, they might reserve like an amount of space for smaller, newer people that kind of gets filled up. And then outside of that, you have to, I think it's pretty expensive right to get a booth because they
1: do have that like and maybe even a bit of a
0: waiting list i'm not sure
1: yeah yeah
0: so i uh we walked the whole exhibit hall in like uh, a little over an hour an hour and a half is under two hours so it didn't take that long to get through whereas gen con it really feels like it takes you hours it takes you one of the days and however you break that up across the four days but yeah it definitely doesn't you can't get through it in two hours
1: uh, I think another thing of note about the exhibit hall floor is, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, they had a huge queuing area for Lorcana because at Gen Con, Lorcana like ruined the Gen Con. Like there were lines through there were, yeah. public spaces that no one was ready for it to be as big as it was. And it was like a big fiasco. And there's not a,
0: as much extra space to plan around that either at and Gen Con.
1: As Kelly mentioned, we basically never saw anyone in the No, Lorkana it
0: was a line. lot of those like, like metal bars it. set and up. It was
1: just... And honestly, better for them to prepare for it to be crazy and it not be crazy than the opposite. But
0: and also, if it was really big when it first opened, if there was a line there, we wouldn't have saw it. This was a thing that was different. To get into the Philadelphia Convention Center, they have to check your bags, Mm -hmm. which is not something that happens at the ICC. Yeah, and so so there's a way more people get into the
1: gen con area way faster than than a much smaller number of people like it took us the first day we got there right when it opened or even we got we got there after after it opened it It was still like 9 30 15 20 minutes to get in the door
0: or it was maybe yeah it was it was late it was after they opened the last day we happened to time it just right where we pretty much just walked in yeah that was that was nice yeah, really big lines to wait to try to get in, which was different. And there, there isn't, when you first walk into ICC, there's a lot of big open space for people to collect. So even if that was the thing where you're trying to get in the door, there's a lot of space. The way that this convention center is set up, it's smaller hallways. And it, I, I don't think it's literally more of them, but maybe it just feels like more of them because they're smaller. You have less of a sense of where you're kind of going you can't see as far
1: we did receive a loitering warning on our first night
0: on our first yeah on our first day when we got in there we were trying to switch our bags and the guy was like you can't stand here because i guess maybe it just gets clogged up really easily especially and it's not super obvious at least it wasn't to me when you first walk in like so wait where's the convention like where is the main hall you could we in fact walked the wrong direction
1: for a while yeah and one of the people we were with Rightly pointed out, like, I think we should walk in the direction that everyone else is walking.
0: But it was hard to tell because everyone was walking in different directions. And where we did the will call...
1: Was the I opposite end.
0: Well, and I don't know if there was anything up there, but that was like a big, expansive, we open kind of room. There, you're right. We didn't walk down there when it was actually open, but I don't, I don't know that there was anything over there.
2: We'll never know.
0: We won't know. Yeah.
2: Were there any games you didn't get to play that you wanted to?
0: Not really. Now, the library, there's overall just less people there and I think right. the attendance they say Gen Con like 70,000 a day as much as 70,000 maybe 60 a day and I don't know that this was really 20,000 people but the library is free where the Gen Con one costs some money and at Gen Con there's a couple different things going on that kind of have libraries so I think that also kind of spreads people out a bit this one had a good amount of games. Had more than enough games to service people there. There were always things to pick from. The line was very long. The it moved fast, but it was very long.
1: So mm. I have a surprising. There'd entry. be like
0: I don't know if I want to say a hundred people. How many people do you think would be in line? Like I think about a hundred. Maybe a hundred. Yeah.
1: Um, in a surprising entry for games I wanted to play, but we didn't play. Oink has this silly game where it's the game is just. A bunch of matching things in a box and then you have to pick up some things in a box and then there's a bag where you can pick out the similar things they're like things trinkets to and the trinkets and the, the the idea of the game is you have to look at the card and keep in your hand only what's on the card and drop everything else and it's like a weird dexterity game um speaking of dexterity games the game i love to play was the flicky thing
0: oh we did play uh Crokinole.
1: oh Crokinole was so good Oh, uh, okay. It's, uh, is it, it's Has that been renamed to something, or is that still the name?
0: No, I don't think so.
1: I want a table at home, but it's, then no one's going to, Kelly's not going to play with me in that game. It
0: doesn't seem likely. It's like miniaturized shuffleboard. Yeah. It's a big circle. It It's table size. It's about the size of a table for four at like a cafe. Uh, there's kind of an outer, the thing that's very similar to shuffleboard. You have the edge of it. Then you have this gutter that goes around the edge of the board and then you have this raised bit in the middle that's like the actual playing surface you have little discs and in the middle of that playing surface is a hole that is the size of the discs yeah the size of one of the discs basically you're trying to shoot like flick your disc into that center hole that gets you the most points but otherwise you're trying to get as many of your discs to stay on the board while your opponent trying to do the same thing as well as knock yours off and then there's around a- that center hole the first kind of ring around it has these little bumpers which of course makes it much harder they're very bouncy bumpers and as you play if there's nothing on the board you just try to go for the center try to get some try to at the most points because the closer you get to the center even if you don't get in you get more points but your opponent if there is one of your discs on the board has to hit your disc before anything else they yeah. can't choose to just do an offense versus defense move they have to oh. defensively shoot for your disc and sometimes your disc is in a really unfortunate place where I, there were times when i was playing where like i did not have a line of sight to the disc that was there yeah, because you,
1: if you hit only, your disc any disc you hit of yours both those discs come off the board
0: yeah so, you're, so you, you, you can't hit, hit there your else, own but you
1: also can't hit your own yeah
0: and that wasn't even the case it's just it was like behind a bumper in a way that Oh, you know, I like, wasn't going to be able to angle to it. You can only use, you can't walk all the way around the board to flick your disc. You have to stay in your quadrant of the board.
1: Yeah. It's, it's oh super God. fun. I was thinking, so one of the rules is that you have to keep, this is, this is so crazy. Apparently one of the rules in the actual like tournament crokinole is yeah. you have to stay in your seat and you have to have at least one butt cheek on the seat for any shot. And that's like a rule. It's kind of like the one foot on the ground rule. Which kind of ruined my idea, which was to, like, have one of those crokinole boards and just build a pub table underneath it and make it like a pub table and then like, have a cover on it and then undo the cover and then you can play. But then standing crokinole
2: is apparently against the rules.
0: Uh, Yeah, I don't I don't th- I think it'd be in your own home. I think you do what you want, but you could just make yeah, the crokinole police
2: are, are very small radius. I yeah, think yeah they don't, don't have a lot anymore. of I know, authority. I, I, I like, I like no. the rules.
0: Yeah, this is true. Ridiculous.
2: Uh, that is cool. I mean, I'm looking at the board and it's.
0: They make some really pretty ones. Aaron,
2: I, I registered.
0: Registered to win a PAXU version of a board. I didn't register.
1: Which really means I saw a fancy board and I asked them if uh, they could give that
2: board to somebody else and email me every day for a long time. Well, you don't know that. <laughs> so you mentioned, so, you, so this is in Philadelphia. Yeah. Pennsylvania, the Commonwealth state. What was the city like? How much non-convention city time did you guys have? We did
1: go to the, I don't know what the museum, it's a museum. Museum, It's the Museum of Art. Oh, just the Museum of Art. A nice big museum of art. We didn't go inside. No, it seems lovely. The grounds weren't great. Famously, the location that they filmed Rocky.
0: The Rocky Steps. The Rocky Steps. Are the steps of the art museum.
1: Uh, so we we did our. I ran up the steps. Kelly has video evidence of me running up the steps. That was pretty fun.
0: Uh, it's a lot of steps. I walked up the steps and I was winded.
1: We went there and the people we were gonna go to the steps with uh, were later than we were, so we got to hang out there for a while, which you might think is a is a bummer, but it wasn't a bummer because there was a workout group,
0: which is probably really common for the Rocky Steps. The coolest it thing was we, wild, we, we though. thought
1: that the coolest thing the workout group was gonna do is in in like a plank position, go up the stairs backwards.
0: Yeah, like on their hands and feet, they were climbing the stairs backwards, which seemed more than intense enough until they started doing these relay races where they split themselves into groups. They were running up and down, but when they came down, they had to do 5 push-ups. But there were some of the guys that kept trying to top each other on the push-up, so they were doing like jumping off the ground like pushing themselves off the ground doing push-ups then they were going like side to side doing push-ups then they were doing push-ups on the stairs and then finally the there was a guy who he's on the stairs so he's doing an incline push-up and then he starts turning in a 360 degree circle doing push-ups every at every interval all the way around in a circle on a set of stairs it was awesome he was basically wow. like watching some kind of reality tv fitness like competition pushing. and like he, he was, was like... doing it casually yeah
1: and he was like when he pushed he would jump over to the next position so it would be a push up and jump and he just and rotated around and did
0: like the hours of a clock you know yeah.
1: so he started with wow. his head below his feet and then at the top he had his head above his
2: feet and then went back around. his it feet stayed good. on the
0: same step the whole time
2: yeah oh and then he just rotated That it. is different than how i was imagining yeah. it and that seems his
0: feet hard. stayed on the same step the whole time yeah it was it was As he he jumped and pivoted himself around a set of wet steps because it was kind of rainy
1: and more people than you would think. And maybe not more people than you would think came to the Rocky steps in the hour or so that we hung out there. And ran up the steps. Yeah, Adam, I have a quick quiz for you. We'll just do one guess, and I'll tell you the answer. How many people in one hour sang the song while someone they knew ran up the steps?
2: That you were aware of, that or is this like an that, actual fact?
1: That I that I was aware of while we were there. How many times was the song sang in a way that was audible to me?
2: How How long were there again?
1: About forty five minutes.
2: Um, two hundred
1: forty two times.
0: One,
1: <laughs> one one time.
2: No. Well, I feel
0: I, like I heard it more than once.
1: Well, then Kelly has a different answer because the metric was okay, I was a witness. This is a very good quiz.
0: <laughs> yeah. So there's the steps off to the side of the steps. If you're looking at the steps off to the right a bit, is a statue of Rocky. We think maybe Sylvester Stallone himself donated it. It That's wasn't what it clear. Seems. It wasn't clear that you can also take a picture with a commemorative thing.
1: We definitely did that as well.
0: There are lots of statues on the grounds and around the museum there's a big george washington statue there's statues on either end of the staircase as well it's it seems a lovely place we didn't take in like the deep culture of the museum just the light pop culture yeah of the steps
1: the i thought it was interesting and pointed out to kelly and i don't think she thought it was interesting but the there was like the george washington statue the george it's called the the george washington monument i don't think it's the george washington monument but that's what it called itself and it the rocky statue was kind of in the same fashion, as it? And I thought it's sort of interesting for me that there's these two statues, one of them is like a real person, and the other one is like a fictitious pop culture thing, and they're like here in the same place in the same style, and it just felt weird to me. you
0: didn't make a statue of anything. I thought it was very normal,
2: yeah. yeah, I would say if you have you if you had done a quiz in that forty five minutes of with like the populace of who are these two people, I bet more people are getting rocky, yep, yeah.
1: I mean, honestly, so, I, did, I didn't know it was George Washington until I read the
0: sign, but I, I
1: definitely think it was Rocky.
0: It, I mean. It definitely felt like a founding father kind of vibe. Yeah, it
1: was a dude with a wig and a hat on his head. And all of the
0: Indians were further out as statues yeah. looking mostly sad. Yeah. Mm. So that felt pretty accurate.
1: Which I think the authors of the statue thought that was inclusive, but they were just at the base.
0: Inclusive in the way that America has historically yeah. been inclusive of anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that is one of the things that we saw, and we really didn't go sightseeing or no. taking in wider parts of Philadelphia, but we, we did go to the market. We went to the market, everyone talks about the Reading
1: market before we talk about the market because that's like uh, its own food thing.
0: It is its own food thing.
1: Let's say that one other experience that we had that was kind of interesting was they decided on Saturday, unrelated to the con. And not, I mean, they do this every year. They would have a parade to celebrate Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, and the Chinese New Year. And it's like this big parade. They close four north-south streets, 13 east-west streets for five hours on a Saturday night in downtown Philadelphia, which means honking. Yeah, there was so much honking. It was like a coffee. We were were really
0: close to where it was closed off. Yeah. So that means you really get the the height of it. And I imagine we took some Ubers here and there while we were in Philadelphia. And it doesn't seem like an easy city to drive in. Indy, you know, there was nothing in the way when they planned it. So it's a nice circle and a tidy grid and everything. But there's a river that's kind of that's coming through Philadelphia. And it doesn't feel like everything is really on as straight of, uh, seems a little more complicated to get around there. So I don't think that helps.
1: But the, the grid in the Reading Market was very easy to navigate.
0: Yeah. So into the food part of it, Reading Market is right next to the convention center, which is neat. But the, uh, Aaron talked to one of the vendors in there or one of the stalls, I don't know what you would call it. And they said that, yeah, other conventions will eat there. But they are never as busy as when PAX comes. It is the most busy that market ever is. And they can honestly nearly do with someone at the doors being like, no one else is coming in here. Because it gets very crowded. The lines are hard to manage, it seems like, on a regular day. And then they are exploded for this. There's not enough seating. There's not nearly enough seating in there. So you're kind of taking your food and going or trying to wait and find a place to sit it's oh it's not a wide open kind of place the ceiling is not tall the aisles are narrow
1: it's that part of capitalism where mediocrity is rewarded there were some good shops in there but i think it's that I, part. Of yeah capitalism
0: i don't think that there was now we had a i had a pretty negative <laughs> breakfast experience because they said it was going to be 20 minutes and it was over an hour before we got food and i think That speaks to them not really being prepared for the volume, but I'm also on the edge of, there's probably no food in a modern American city that I need to wait an hour for, because how tasty fast food is gonna be to me in five minutes is probably Mm -hmm. gonna equal how tasty good food is gonna be after I've waited an hour
1: you, you did comment that you could have gone to the store purchased purchased flour had, water sugar had, strawberries had, and bacon and made your meal in the time that it took
0: yes i had french toast and i said i i could have gone there was a trader joe's like one block over i could have gone to trader Joe's, got the ingredients walked to the airbnb which was another block back made it myself in the time that it took to get that food
1: i I, I mean something broke down at that restaurant like yes. The, it, yeah. And that can happen, and, and but like, right. It's a short order place that took an hour for food. Like that's something has gone terribly wrong. And that's a right, little and that's bit. Right.
2: That's not even like a high time item.
0: No. Well, I mean, I
1: ordered a very fancy Cajun Benedict. And thing, he and he was, really he liked actually,
0: his breakfast.
1: It was delightful, and I could not have produced it in the time required.
0: Right. Uh, but that's different. Then. Going forward, the food was amazing. I, I picked the last day for breakfast. I got a funnel cake and a corn dog because I waited a reasonable amount of time for it. And it was delicious because not everyone was trying to get funnel cakes at the first thing of the day. So I kind of think that because of the convenience, the places there don't have to be better. There's gonna be enough traffic that comes through to kind of keep things open. I think that's that. And I also think that maybe I don't realize It's not a thing that you hear a lot about Indianapolis, but I think the west side of Indianapolis, maybe even more so than anywhere else in the city, has a really good mix of international food and authentic international food that you can get from small hole in the wall restaurants. And I don't think that the things there were really better than that, but then they were more expensive and then took a lot longer of a wait. So I think I was doing like a personal comparison thing that isn't really fair to say like, well, yeah, it is true that it's not all in one market here in Indy, but I didn't feel like there was anything that I would travel back to Philadelphia in that market that I would like travel back to Philadelphia because I wanted yeah. their version of it.
1: I, I think there's plenty of places in there that are viable and wonderful. I don't want to have to table hawk in a room pro- like I, I would just go. I'd rather go to a worse restaurant with a calmer setting than than what to you go- mean, table talk.
0: Okay, table hawk, hawk is what he like said hawk he, for tables he kept using oh, that sorry. phrase like it's a thing that everyone says
2: yeah I, i've never heard it until now t- table no. hawking
0: oh it's a famous pastime it's fine it's not
2: wow. yeah. no it's not. not not in this group man that's fair
1: the setting for me like people are like oh the market is so good and like it was there were, there were definitely cool things in there but I, it's just not i'd rather go to a restaurant with you know some elbows between me and the next person
0: and we did go to some Good restaurants. We went to, now, a hole-in-the-wall place that was... I think it was called Faux Street. Yep. Faux Street. Faux Street, I think, is the way. Faux Street. That was, again, still next to the convention center. The convention center's long, so a lot of things to be next to it. Um, And I got a gigantic bowl of noodles. Yeah. Oh, nice. That was really, really good. So that was the first night. Yep. And when we got in on Thursday, we just... We didn't, like, try to really go do anything. We just ate and got into the airbnb and that was pretty much it and that's where we ate on thursday we also went to what was the name of Of the the, ramen place yeah
1: boy i don't know
0: i don't have my phone on me i'll have to put the notes for these we went to a ramen place that was a little bit of a drive that was really good it was a small place it was really good it had a crazy long wait which we weren't really expecting But,
1: but they told us that it would be an hour
0: and it wasn't it, they, it was they, actually they, less than they, what they told us yeah, they didn't, So it was accurate time and we it was cold we knew it was going to be an hour wait and so we go back outside and there happens to be a tea house across the street so we wandered into a tea house it was and it's nighttime so i wouldn't have even expected a tea house to be open late but it was awesome. it was lovely inside it was pretty much what you expected like oh they probably have high tea here but oh, there's we, definitely high tea. We were very convention dressed and didn't, it didn't feel like that was being looked down upon. It didn't feel like you had to dress up to go in there. They brought out, so we all ordered tea. Everyone got their own individual china teapot, as well as like a teapot stand with a tea light candle underneath it to keep the tea warm. our own little cup and saucer and your cup and saucer your
1: your cup and saucer matched your pot and the cups and saucers and the pots were correlated to the type of tea you ordered which was cool oh
2: that is cool
0: it was delightful that's how we spent the hour waiting to go over to the ramen place
1: i honestly i think if i had had high tea while i was waiting for that cajun breakfast i would have been just fine oh i would
0: have felt a lot better about it and maybe that's what maybe i should have went and got a corn dog or something that day as well, instead of just because I was just waiting for the food and it was later breakfast anyway. Yeah, that day. And I, you know, sometimes you just don't plan your life the way that you want. So I was kind of past hungry to the point where I was pretty irrational.
1: And I think it would be remiss in talking about the food to not also cover that Kelly, not a fan of the cheese Whiz.
0: Oh, yeah. I got one Philly cheesesteak and it said like the classic with cheese Whiz but hot cheese whiz is just like a liquid nonsense so
1: i actually watched like a youtube documentary about this okay cheese whiz used to be much better and like in the okay. days when cheese whiz would have been like the cool philadelphia cheesesteak it was like real food and okay. now cheesesteak is owned by one of the food conglomerates and it's cheese whiz.
0: gross yeah cheese whiz i i feel like i've heard <laughs> before that it used to be like to make that kind of whatever consistency or whatever was more of a delicacy like it was right. actually took a lot of effort and to have it that accessible to everyone was kind of like you know this high brow thing that was brought down for everyone yeah. but yeah that now i i'm not surprised to learn that it's not the original recipe yeah. yeah it's not good i i did not care for it
1: adam i think you had requested our uh, our feedback on the philly cheesesteaks have you have you had the the cheese whiz and do you have an opinion
2: i mean i had cheese whiz not on a sandwich just you know sitting on the couch
0: yeah <laughs> Which so, I think is how it's now meant to be consumed.
2: Right. Possibly, yeah. you know, a, a sociable heat cracker it. in there or something if I'm really feeling fancy. But oh, yeah. Otherwise, I, it's just a straight vessel. Sociable
0: and, crackers are, are, are quite nice. I think it should stay cold. Cheese whiz. Jeez whiz. Do we have any other notable things that we ate? I, on one of the nights, I, uh, it was kind of like the afternoon, every day we went back because I, again, I was trying to get a voice back. It didn't happen. We went back to the, Uh, Airbnb like for a couple hours and I would just rest not talk and one of those days we got I got a slice of pizza before I went back and the way that the lines were there it was not clear but I did find out there was no line for the pizza and I got in five minutes and there was a super long line that looked at like the same stand because I think that was the cheesesteak line. Yeah, the cheesesteak line goes slower. And yeah, for me, I just, the pizza was good. I think all of the food was fine. It wasn't like an hour wait with all the congestion. Fine. It would be just as well to walk to the next place for me personally. But I think that was definitely true that, you know, a lo- there'd be a long line for one thing, but everything there was good enough that I didn't feel like the long line was really uh, yeah deserving of one place over the next it wasn't like this place is so much better than the other place
1: yeah and I'll have Ryan. one one final kind of food and beverage thing which is there was a coffee shop called elixir three minutes from our a three minute walk from our Airbnb that had some of the best coffee I've ever had and I told them that I liked their coffee a bunch the first day I went there it was clear that I was there for the conference and the barista calmly said please don't tell people about us I don't want to be busy today
0: and it was our Airbnb um, was only like two minutes, three minutes yeah, from so the conference. Makes, so it was yeah, like a five-minute walk from the conference. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Right. The And then, was Aaron, you got done with the cheese was as well, correct? In- <laughs> what'd you say? No, I, it's fine. <laughs> I, had, I, had, I had zero cheese was. Oh, okay. So I have a question about, so you guys flew, correct? We did. We did. In an airplane. And um, so airports typically, when you go, they will have like a local representation in the airport you're going into. What is Philadelphia's local stuff?
0: I I haven't a clue.
2: Oh, okay.
0: I haven't a clue. I did not care for their airport.
2: Oh, okay.
0: It felt very. I guess I just keep saying this about Philadelphia. It felt very like narrow, low ceiling. Yeah, closed in. So it really felt like I was just needed to get to where I was going. The Indi- the new Indianapolis airport. Well, it's been around for a while now. Is there's so much headroom. It's very light and breezy. Lots of natural light, and that is not how the Philadelphia Airport feels.
1: I, I felt like honestly, Indianapolis Airport does exactly what you said. Like, there's a tinker there. There's uh, there's a, a daredevil place there. Like, it's a lot of like local fare. I felt like the
0: if there was, I didn't
1: know Philadelphia it. place was really kind of corporatized.
2: It too, because you're talking about these like, low ceilings, a certain kind of structure that seems to be throughout the city would it be fair to say that this is the oldest city that you guys have visited mm. and maybe that's part of this um
1: i would say that is almost certainly true i've been to new york but in a much different context i think and i new- just
2: wonder how much of it's just like oh this is how they built it in 17 right. 17- 85 but the airport, airport can't
0: inspector. be that old
2: i know but as soon as i said that then i realized was yeah so yeah. but like i think i don't is... know how much of the other stuff is just like oh that's the tradition it's how we built. yeah it. it's somebody, orville's is. grandpa back there was like if
1: you build it they will come
0: you, the we didn't get into so <sighs> many things Bible. across philadelphia for me to say like that's how the whole city felt but i did feel okay. like the like the at least the area we were in the roads and everything seemed narrow seemed a little more confined things did feel a little like closer in but not over by the art museum no it was very like open kind of park like kind of sweepy. And i don't even know i don't know enough about the city to understand like how much of it is what how much of it really feels like downtown kind of all buildings a little more congested and how much of it is a bit more open
1: yeah i honestly like this seems kind of like cliche but we live in Indianapolis, which is about half the size of Philadelphia, and then we sometimes travel to Chicago, which is bigger than Philadelphia. And I think Philadelphia felt like like
0: like that, like like bigger than Indianapolis and smaller than Chicago. But the thing about Indianapolis is that the city downtown is Very really small. small. It's really small yeah. and pretty open and it kind of just spits you out the other side into kind of like wide open spaces pretty pretty quickly low buildings, open spaces. So I think even though the population of the cities might be the same, the makeup of downtown, there's no uh, there's no way that it's... No, it's, it's much bigger. It's got to be, yeah, it's got to be a lot bigger. Indianapolis is only like a mile square, more or less, downtown for a so whole w- lot of surrounding
2: area. So would you go back?
0: You know, I felt like the impression I got from PAX, and I also feel like because I didn't have a voice that kind of made it different, I realized while I was traveling, not having a voice is kind of a... it's definitely like a temporary handicap not being able to talk to people like you're going through security Mm -hmm. and you can barely talk to the people and just as you're traveling it's a little weird as you're trying to buy things it's it's weird to not be able to communicate with people and I think that also kind of changed my convention experience because I could like as the days went on I got a little more voice back so I could very focused talk to people they like they could hear me but I think it was effort on everyone's part to do so. So I think that definitely, I can't say that that didn't impact my experience. And I probably would have like went out a little more, like kind of would have went for it a little more if I had actually had my voice the whole time. Um, but I felt like it was both too big and too small. That was my impression of it where there were two, like there were t- almost too many people, for the size of what it was, it felt like there should have been 30% less people there and it would have felt like really comfortable. But that maybe uh, it, and Aaron said that one of the days they stopped attendance, like they didn't keep letting people in, that they cut off whatever yeah. they must have reached, whatever their reasonable max was. was. And I think that felt about right. It felt kind of full to the brim and with everything in one room, See, it didn't exactly love that. I think some different choices though could have been made on probably my part to just enjoy it a little more. I we didn't go to any events and I think picking some events probably would have been nice. I know Shut Up and Sit Down was there recording a podcast. So going to things like that would have been would have been fun. So yeah, I think what I did like was that it is a convention that a lot of board game types go to. Like if you if you're numbering out the conventions like where you'll see the most people that you either um, people you've seen before at other like other attendees if you want to see like content creators it's a popular conference to go to so if you're looking for that kind of thing and even there's a good number of publishers there if you're looking for that kind of thing it's a good option and I think for people who Gen Con is too overwhelming this probably isn't but I honestly felt like in some ways this felt more overwhelming to me than Gen Con I don't know if it's because I was out of my city or because it was all in one room and the noise was just kind of like different in that way, uh, it right. didn't feel like. I know one of the people we were with said that they went. There's a quiet room there. There's a quiet room in Gen Con too, but there's a there was a quiet room at Pax. I didn't know where it was, and they said they went there because it's it was just like too much. And I think when you're moving through Gen Con, you move through quieter spaces just because of how spread out it is. But it packs mm-hmm. as you're moving through things, you're just going from one loud space to one loud space. And that's a little different. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I would like to go back again and do some of the events and maybe do it a little bit differently. Uh, it would yeah. be different if, if Kelly had a voice. But I think my, <laughs> yeah. like, the, the one thing I'll, I, that I'll say to kind of echo Kelly's kind of criticism or misgivings about it, like, if I, I, I like the idea of going to a con where it's more about playing board games. But I realized at this convention that what that means is you're going to be in a huge room with a bunch of fold up plastic long tables playing board games. And I just would prefer to play board games in a different setting than that.
0: They weren't. The tables were a bit skinny too, which is one of the things we commented and the people were with commented about that. It's fine because it's it's plenty long, uh, but it did feel like there were at times, especially when the hall would close, there was only like just enough space when.
1: We ended up up playing board games. there was a lot of space. Yeah, we ended up playing games with the same, you know, eight to ten people. Yeah, if that. I mean, that's kind of generous because there were some other people that came in. But, like, you know, really the same, like, three three to six people. And honestly, if you ask me, like, what do you want to do? Like, all the people we play games with own a bunch of games. It would be to do something similar to Adam, what you and I did, uh, where we just rented an Airbnb. And... Mm and invited the people that we wanted to play games with and then spent a weekend just playing games in the comfort of an Airbnb and that was I mean I think I would prefer that to what we did
0: yeah Um, because while we were there you said like I don't know if I really like conventions and I think it was kind of that mix of well I'm going to play more games this isn't the optimal place to do it and if I'm going to go all out at a convention maybe this isn't the optimal place to do it
1: yeah but but, uh, try one more time
0: Yeah, I think we're both kind of getting a sense of it, and it's the first non-Gen Con conference we've been to, and it's pretty well stated, often stated, that Gen Con is unlike anything else. I think that uh, we might try to go to Dice Tower West, which is in March in Vegas, and I think there you're going to be in a city built for events. So you're not going to have that same kind of constriction around hotel rooms and things in proximity because that's what the whole place is kind of built for. And right. the convention itself is going to be small compared to the things that happen in Vegas. So it's not going to be the kind of Gen Con feel of, well, this is what the whole city's doing, apparently.
2: Right. They're not going to be overwhelmed by some people showing up.
0: Right. You're not. You're going to blend in completely to whatever else is going on in Vegas and from what i've heard of those there's not there's even less of a hall to be concerned with if there is one even at all i think it's only very few publishers maybe show up and then the rest oh. is just open gaming it's just all open gaming with the dice tower west library which has like three thousand games Oof. so i think it's maybe three i don't know if it's four days but it is more like a gaming convention uh with a with a big library at a scale that's a little bigger because of that but i think you are still all in one ballroom mm. but it might feel more like like the hot games room feels at gen con
1: oh that was way better i think there's just carpet honestly the carpet and Maybe, the, no- the, 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 noise really the noise. i think the noise really bothered
2: me the noise of the room well, high me. ceilings also I mean, yeah. more space for it to bounce yeah, around, yeah and right?
0: it wasn't like the convention center there had a low ceiling but oh, I think it was okay. just all hard surfaces yeah. and everyone in one room. Yeah, I gotcha. That. Yeah, and you know what? I want to say one more thing before we close this off. The PAX U merchandise was excellent.
2: The oh, design okay.
0: of the stuff was excellent. I got a hoodie and a um a water bottle, and in general, the theme across all of their uh, merchandise off you know all of the branding for this year looked like a VHS tape, like the design you'd find on a VHS tape. And it was so perfectly executed, in my opinion. The first time I saw it, I thought it was a VHS tape. Like I thought that that was, I just thought like, oh, was there a VHS brand called PAX? Like, what am I missing? It was done so well. So I feel like they completely nailed that retro theme, like just absolutely hit all the right notes with it and made it look authentic, but like likable in a way that it felt worth having, like something that was outdated that's worth having, not something that's outdated that you want to forget in the past. And it looked like a lot of people have merchandise from other packs at packs. And it looked like the other, maybe East and West have like, maybe they all have the same theme every year. Cause I saw a, a bag from one of them that seemed to also have this VHS looks to it, but it wasn't um, unplugged. And then it Mm. seems that in previous years, like all the previous years, they have a different kind of theme about it. And all of the merchandise, I think, whoever is running that piece of it, you can buy it online too. I think starting maybe now ish. I don't know that it was available during the con, but they're probably selling the things that they didn't sell there. I believe you can buy it online now. Even if I didn't go, I might buy what their designers come up with because I was really impressed. Like it just all looked great. Thank you so much for listening to episode 131. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, X and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com. And you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. I wanted to get this episode and the next out a bit faster, but my voice was still pretty rough and we played a lot of new games. We should be speeding back up a bit with episodes to round out the year. The next one will be our games of the month for November, 2023. Unless you're listening to these in reverse, in which case you have 130 more episodes headed your way, the next one being our Games of the Month for October 2023. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today.